So it's, it's, it's how do we value? How do we put value on our time? It's, it's a very interesting conversation that goes down to. I don't know. You do like Justin Timberlake, and your value is time. That is <laughs> that's true. Dun, dun, dun. Was that movie good? I, I, I can't I can't decide whether or not I liked that movie. I think it would have been great if Justin Timberlake wasn't in it. And what? <laughs> no. No. It would have been an amazing movie if he wasn't in it, and maybe Walking Phoenix was, and that other girl wasn't in it, and maybe uh, other redheaded chick with big eyes was. Justin does no wrong. That's unfair, though. You can't be like, you know, that movie would have been a lot better if you took out Pee Wee Herman and added Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> because you could, you could do that with every movie. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 267. And I am your first host, Marcello. That is not... This is Chi Chinchilla, a.k.a. Captain Backslap. That's who the first host is. All right. Captain Blackslap. Blackslap or Backslap? Backslap. (laughs) Careful there, because he said Blackslap. You said Blackslap. Backslap. Chief Chinchilla, a.k.a. Captain Backslap, is his name on Slack, and he keeps changing it to ridiculous shit like this. I am host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. What's up? I didn't even I didn't even get to say I'm host number two. Don't jump that the gun your here. Your tuck, tuck yourself, all right? I'm host number two, Demetric, a.k.a. Black Sauce. And now, now we go to you, Corey. I already said it. We're good. I just said it first. One longest three, introduction ever, Chief Chinchilla. Where did you come up with that? Why do you? Why did you choose that? Where do you come up with these names? I don't know. No, there's not much thought in them. M-go- I just, I just like it when new new people come into the Slack and they don't know that I'm host number one, so they have to <laughs> figure it out. So the only way that you can piece together that we're the three hosts is if you actually spend time in the Slack and engage with us. No more of this joining, saying hi, and then leave. Uh, you know what? No more of this joining, saying you're a big fan of the show, and then leaving. <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe, I don't know. The Slack's a little little hard on people. It's heavy. Yeah. Sometimes you, if you come in at the wrong time, you're coming into a, <laughs> you're coming into in a hot. extra weird conversation. A, it's just some, some weird stuff that ain't crypto or like super technical stuff. Like It depends, man. Yeah. You're coming in hot, especially on the random channel. I think I changed the topic to this is a place where taboo does not exist. Shelf your scruples and let it rip. That's what I changed the topic. To. Shelf your scruples. I think it's the most popular channel. Huh? 
I think it's the most popular channel in the yeah, slide. People want to act a fool yeah. on the internet. I think it's, it's better than status. I mean, like, uh, because status is a is like a a broadcast system. So public channels, it's it, anyone can subscribe to any public channel and say whatever they want. And the default public channel is just hashtag status. Uh, people like I'd say three to four times a day that channel just gets a high. It's a high. Or, what do you it? mean? H I. Someone, someone on the channel says hi, and then they never say another word again. <laughs> hi. So strange. <laughs> People are. This is human behavior, man. This, this weird, man. This, this. Uh, I mean, I feel like random is composed of everyone who was a chat room hero in the late nineties. Or the early or the mid nineties. I don't know. I mean, there's people that leave comments on porn videos, which I'll never understand, but they're Ever. out there. In my life, dude, it makes me feel so uncomfortable. Here's here's a here's a question. This actually kind of brings us into what the crypto is. Uh, so the internet allowed for people to leave comments on you porn videos, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's that's weird. That's a real weird thing to do. It's right? very strange. Very people strange. read those people like there's conversations that happen in the chat thumbs up thumbs down the comment <laughs> yeah right people like curate and what happens when you introduce money there like what's the weird stuff that happened because like that that was like the freedom of information where you could people could put what they want on the internet and anyone could see it and comment on it and like that social movement like the web 2.0 like it, it made a bunch of weird stuff and a lot of weird social behavior that humans are going to do because they're humans. And that was I just think, information. What happens when it's, when it's money? Cause like the, the blockchain and whatever it ends up becoming is the freedom of money, separation of church and state, whatever you want to call it. It's money and it's, state, not church and state. So don't get that. We're not bringing that yeah, conversation sorry. Just up a, in here. Whatever. <laughs> So what happens? Like, what? What's the weird stuff? Because it's going to get weird. Humans are going to be humans, especially when they're more anonymous and they feel like they can do whatever they want to do without repercussions. Hmm. What's the What's the porn comment of money? Mm, that's a good question. Mm. That's a shower thought. All right, I, I, want to tweet, right I want people to tweet that to us. What's the What's the porn comment of money? The, what is the porn comment of money? I don't even think they'll understand what that means if they don't. Well, does it mean like somebody, somebody question who, to ask? Somebody who comments on a on a tax ID number, like, damn, that's a lot of money. What did you do to deserve three point eight Bitcoin? What's going on here? Oh, uh, like odd behavior. Like, like uh, someone leaving comments on porn is just an odd human behavior, right? That you would never do. If you if there were if you knew there were consequences like social consequences to people knowing you do that, it's what you do in like your room in the dark. What's the money version of that? That's not like of course like buying drugs or was it finance or something? Hmm. It's making, just the weird the weird legal behavior that people do with money. Making weird bets on auger. No, because anyone can do that. That leads to like. You know that whole wisdom of the crowd thing. If it if it's successful, you could you could end up with like decent predictions on things that might like things that can happen in the future if enough people do that type of stuff. I mean, odd things on Augur. Mm, yeah, I think maybe betting. 
was probably going to be the depth of like how weird it gets. Like, what's what you uh, said? Betting mixed with yeah, I think you're, I think Cello, I think you could be could have hit the nail on the head because that that could be the depth of the weirdness it gets. Like if you could bet on rando people's attractiveness and there was like a sweet sixteen like uh, tournament of the attractiveness of randos and then you bet on that that would be weird to me that would be weird human behavior but i could see it happening and i could see crypto empowering that weirdness well i I don't think we're going to be able to even even come up with this idea because think about like you wouldn't even think about the concept of leaving a comment on a video before probably before social media like when was the first time you could leave a comment on a video any video did that first is that the first time was that the first I don't think that was the first first Reddit, time. maybe. I want to say it was YouTube. You want to say it was YouTube? I don't think it was. Where is that? There was no other platform where you could upload videos for a mass audience. You're right. So, you like, would have to upload a video to like your website and host it and make it. It was not. I I guarantee it's not YouTube, but I think massively, I think YouTube wins. Zanga. <laughs> yeah, Zanga. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a Reddit thread uh, subreddit called Roast Me, and if you burn a person uh, uh, big enough, they can tip you in gold. So essentially, you're getting rewarded for making fun of someone publicly and openly. Who, that, who would have like, thought? Community like, thing, like where people come together digitally to talk about some some piece of content, is a product of like Web 2.0, not yeah, Web 1.0. I agree. And so when the internet was coming about in its early days. The thought of doing these things was ridiculous. And so like trying to think like that far forward in terms of the internet of money, I just, I I don't know what humans are going to be doing or like how we use this stuff. That's going to be like normal to our grandkids or kids. I think the, 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 one of the biggest, like uh, not biggest, but uh, maybe biggest, areas of utility for crypto is going to be like virtual reality, augmented reality kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that that threshold between what's virtual and what's real and how we can use crypto to kind of, I don't know, embolden that threshold. I don't think embolden is the word I'm looking for, but you know, there's, there's going to be some stuff there that there's going to be an area there you can play with. Yeah. I was on, I was on this podcast um, today, the Crypto Crow. I guess that's like a YouTube show, um, and it got me thinking about like old stuff that I used to talk about and how people. And part of what I talked about was like creating micro economies, so people can basically live the life they'd like to lead, as opposed to the drone work they currently do to get work a nine to five to get a monthly monthly paycheck or biweekly paycheck, or whatever. And this technology allows you to eventually like stream payments so that like, because right now we get paid monthly because it's too expensive to stream or to to have a finer resolution, right? At least that's all like monthly payments, monthly salaries got started is because um, it was too expensive or too cumbersome to pay someone for a day's labor. It was just much easier to keep track of by saying you make this much a month. This is how much you work during that month. We'll pay you once, like for that for that amount of time. So you only pay like the fees associated with the, with the disbursement uh, once a month as a company. 
uh, as this technology is getting better in terms of money, we could do more, that resolution gets better. And so you can start to stream money. And because of that, the way in which you work and how you work is going to change drastically. The nine to five already is losing its traction with millennials. But when you have the ability to get paid appropriately with however you'd like to work, then that is only going like, to exacerbate the issue. And so like how people live their lives and, and, and make money doing so to sustain themselves is going to be very drastically different in the future yeah. than what it is now. People aren't going to go to work. I couldn't agree opinion. to you more. Like automation is going to ravage the way we value value shit. I mean, it's, it's, it's really going to ravage, you know, what we impart value on, uh, because robots do it better and they're going to consistently do it better. Uh, so it's, how do we value how do we put value on our time it's, it's a very interesting conversation that goes down to I don't know you do like Justin Timberlake and your value is time that is, <laughs> that's true dun, dun, dun. was that movie good I, 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 can't, I can't decide whether or not I liked that movie I think it would have been great if Justin Timberlake wasn't in it and what <laughs> no I think no, it would an amazing movie if he wasn't in it, and maybe Walking Phoenix was, and that other girl wasn't in it, and maybe uh, other redheaded chick with big eyes was. Justin does no wrong. That's unfair, though. You can't be like, you know, that movie would have been a lot better if you took out Pee Wee Herman and added Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> because you could, you could do that with every movie. I mean, but I agree. That's pretty drastic there, Joe. Yeah. But I agree. Justin Timberlake was the weak point. Yeah, I mean, he's because Justin Timberlake just can't act. He tries. He can sing really well. He can marry attractive women really well. He's real good at that. He's yeah. good at that. But he can't. He act. can make funny, funny music videos. Yeah, he, he just can't act. And he tried it though. I think Joaquin Phoenix would have been great for that role. I think Mel Gibson in a green suit so they could make him look younger would have been great in that role. But no, not him. But the premise, amazing movie. Amazing. All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, next topic. Interview? Interview time? Is it interview? interview and then next topic? Huh? Uh, huh? It could interview be. Interview and then next topic. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do an do interview. interview. Go to and it. Then next topic. So, um, yeah. So here's the interview. Here it is. And hello. We're about to dive into another interview, a Bitcoin podcast interview. Um, feels good to bring these back in more regularly. And you know what? We're just going to jump right into it. We have a wonderful guest by the name of Sam Radakia. And she is, is well... I'll I'll let her introduce herself. I'll say so. So, where are you from? What do you Put do? Put the pressure on me. And that's okay. right. The um, floor is yours. Wait a second. Oh no. Have, okay. Yeah, we have a little. Just give me just one second, and I'll do it proper. The proper Bitcoin podcast way. In just a second. Cello knows what's coming though. Do you have okay. some music to come in. We have a wait. Oh, first I gotta not silence my phone because the production level is high here. Okay, it's not working. My rap air horn's not working, so ear, ear. <laughs> I'm 
So go ahead and introduce yourself and and let it rip. And we're going to dive into some good conversation. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I probably won't tell you all where I live, but I mean, generally I'm between New York and San Francisco, um, East Coaster by, by where I grew up. Um, I don't know. I have kind of an, an interesting story with a serial entrepreneur. I, I actually was pretty deep into the gaming world uh, as a kid growing up with my brothers. So we'd like, you know, take apart and put back together computers. Um, I, I was less into Warcraft, but kind of started studying gaming in college. Um, so I, I, I guess as like an anthropologist, I convinced the department to let me live in a virtual world called Second Life. And this was in 2009. And I was like running a virtual t-shirt shop um, and, and trading on that. And that's kind of my foray into the world of uh, digital and vir- virtual assets and, and Bitcoin particularly. Um, I went on to found a few companies, not necessarily you know directly into the space until 2014 when I co-founded a company called Chronicled. And we had a very broad mission then. It was generally just represent non-financial assets on a blockchain. So we started with this sort of kind of like wacky space of uh, collectible sneakers. So like Jordans and Yeezys and registering them uh, first on the Bitcoin blockchain and then on Ethereum and then kind of letting people authenticate them uh, and, and trade them. And then moved on into you know, other other um, supply chain or trading networks. And the company is now focused mainly in the pharmaceutical industry. So, you know, I, I've now moved on to realizing where my superpowers are, are just educating people and, and evangelizing the technology, uh, working with people around the world to understand it and how to it'll apply not just to their organizations, but their daily lives. Um, so I wrote this book which is, you know, hopefully we'll talk about it a little bit. It's called Bitcoin Pizza, the No Bullshit Guide to Blockchain. And it comes out on August 20th. Um, and that's about it. That's where I am right now in my life. Where Where's the, the bullshit title come from? Have we been fed bullshit, bullshit? over the years? Yeah. Are we? I just, I mean, and again, I come, I've spent the past four or five years in a space more on the enterprise side of things. And so, you know, the, the people that are were, were into blockchain, not Bitcoin. Um, and so in that world, or at least in the world or my vantage point, I've found that there is a lot of misinformation or at least a lack of education. So it'll be people who have maybe heard from their bosses or maybe from their kids who are trading crypto, you know, about this this blockchain or this Bitcoin stuff. And they maybe see, um, you know, CNBC or they'll, they'll see kind of the mainstream media, but they don't have enough knowledge or, um, frankly, time to, to spend the time like digging and figuring out why this is applicable to them or why the things that they might be hearing in the mainstream media are, uh, you know, sensationalized. So, yeah, I mean, the no bullshit was was mainly one, I tend to be no bullshit. So even when I was, uh, you know, full time in my own company, I, I stayed pretty, I tried to be unbiased in terms of, you know, not promoting any particular protocol or, or way of doing things. Cause I think we're all still 
learning here and we're all building and we're all, you know, it's, it's still relatively early and nascent um, and at the same time, uh, very vibrant. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I was just wanted to try my best to provide an unbiased take on the ecosystem and not necessarily from the perspective of here's the technology, here's how it works and we're going to do a deep dive on proof of work or proof of stake, but here is here are the larger cultural and, and social and economic and political shifts that laid the groundwork for a change in the way that we think about exchange and the way that we think about value and why is that important and why is that going to impact everyone, whether you are aware of it or not or whether you believe that it will or not, it's already happening. What's one thing that you could like discernibly say is bullshit about the crypto ecosystem right now and you can name names if you want to we're not against that policy you could say this person says bullshit or this was bullshit heard from i i have a lot of strong opinions in this area so oh we love opinions 20 2017 was a crazy time so i think a lot of the you know all coins or or protocols um were probably bullshit I think I have a hard time with permission networks and, and I talk about it in the book. Um, I don't really offer my opinion in the book because the goal is for people to figure that out themselves. But, you know, in my personal experience with my company and it, I watched as it moved in a different direction based on the requirements of, you know, our largely enterprise customers in the pharmaceutical industry. And, what they essentially did, and we, we tried our best to keep it as decentralized as possible in, in deploying a network and having, you know, all of these companies um, kind of join as node operators, but it wasn't sufficiently decentralized, in my opinion, and it just made me start thinking, you know, what are the nature of these enterprise, um, you know, implementations? Should we be tracking lettuce on a blockchain? Uh, is that even a real use of the technology or is it just ridiculous? And, you know, that that's definitely one area where I call bullshit. That's well, good. And I'm, I'm calling it, I'm calling it from the perspective I did that myself. I, it wasn't my vision for the company, but it was certainly the customer's vision for the company. Um, and to see that level of, you know, I, again, it's just, that is not a good use of the technology. So, well, what about yeah. supply chains? They've been proposed and implemented using blockchain for years. In fact, we've had people on back in 2016 talking about it. And when we refer to a blockchain-enabled future, I mean, how, yeah. soon, are, how soon are we talking? Oh, like, has the progress been too slow? No, I mean, my company is in supply chain, or the, the one, one of the companies I co-founded, and they're doing very well. Um, I, I think in terms of the potentials for interbusiness commerce within an industry and particularly supply chain sure it's great i mean if you really get into the meetings though with these executives and and, uh you know on the the board level they're looking to have god mode they're looking to you know there is still (laughs) kind of this uh which again it's like there shouldn't uh, that goes against the um you know the the dominant paradigms or beliefs of of this ecosystem um, and that's not all of them. And again, that was why 
you know, my company Chronicle took longer because we believed in decentralization and we we didn't want to offer it anyone, including Chronicle itself, to have the ability to have a god mode uh, in supply chain. But I mean, when I think when I think about, or at least like how I think about um, more generally, you know, cryptocurrencies, Internet of Value. Uh, blockchain, I think on a more abstract level, so more broadly decentralization as a concept or, um, yeah, I, so like the example on supply chain that I give, um, and I just gave a talk to the, the manufacturing industry of Thailand was, you know, here are all these people and they're like, our industries are changing, we're shutting down factories, we don't under, you know, and tracking their goods on a blockchain Sure, it might make things more efficient or more transparent, but it's really not going to change anything. Um, but really, you know, what I said, if we look at the notion of, again, like what does decentralized manufacturing look like? You might not own the centralized factory in one single place and then ship things all over the world to a distribution center and then to, uh, you know, someone's home or office will actually be producing things in a hyper-localized, on-demand fashion. That's just the way that other technologies are evolving, like uh, 3D printing and additive manufacturing, uh, et cetera. And so if you're thinking of that running um, on a, a blockchain-based network where payments then are frictionless and they're, you know a fraction of a payment is going to the machine and a fraction is going uh, to the local facility where it's held and maintained and a fraction back to the brand, so, I, I, you know, you can imagine Supreme doing a global drop and instead of people lining up at places where there's like a limited inventory, maybe there's a limited amount of design files that are unlocked in a 3D meter to make a T-shirt. Um, and then the payments are all going seamlessly back to the owners. And so, you know, your business is not what I said to them. is It's changing fundamentally, but it won't go away. I mean, maybe you just then own a fleet of these machines that are globally distributed and you're getting fractional payments sent back to you as an organization. Um, and so we can look at the, beyond just like machines and manufacturing. I think that's happening in every industry and in the nature of work and, and how even people think about organizing and are they, you know, committed on a salaried employee basis with one organization? Are they contributing in a more fluid uh, way to multiple projects with kind of more free-flowing payments and, and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's, I think blockchain tech is great for software. It's great for internet based companies. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna be a tough leap to get a use case in uh, other, anything other than money for other businesses. Yeah. I guess you call brick and mortar brick and mortar right. businesses because I've I've worked with a lot of businesses now uh, and business is messy and <laughs> some of the some of the uh, some of the benefits that blockchain has that are great for the internet and great for that ecosystem are not good for brick and mortar businesses like uh, just one off the top of my head would be uh, irreversible transactions that's a that's a mm-hmm. bad thing especially in the world of, of business because you know business is messy i mean you'd need a way to arbitrate like some something to to say hey i I gave you too much money 
or you know you didn't give me enough money or there's there's got to be a way to to reverse right. those transactions and it sucks but it is the reality so have you so right i i mean on the level again even in the businesses that and i don't want to be i'm not pessimistic i'm i'm very optimistic about it but you know if you think about where a lot of um the existing businesses like large businesses enterprise businesses and where they are in terms of dealing with their legacy systems um, and legacy processes a lot of them are still even contemplating the shift from like on-prem to cloud or you know these buzzwords of digital transformation (laughs) or they're still emailing pdf around and so you know then this is more on like the blockchain side and not you know the, the crypto side it's how do you expect to come in with this, you know, technology and, and tell them, you know, great, this is part of your digital transformation strategy when they're still using PDFs and, and don't really have like normalized data. So, I mean, I do think it'll take the fundamental shift in how people think about doing businesses and we'll probably see a whole new um, group you know, that are all forming now and have been over the past, you know, five, 10 years or so that are thinking, building from scratch and thinking through, you know, how to do business within the new context, as opposed to retrofitting systems that are, you know, so, so stuck in a previous landscape. Yeah, very solid point. I seem to be stuck on the word bullshit, but what is the king of all bullshit tokens that you noticed in the last, the 2017 hysteria that was the alt bull market? Ah, I don't have any specifics. I don't want to, I'm I'm trying to think now offhand. Again, it's not where I focus a lot of my energy. I know. Well, what, if, what if I? What if we flipped it and I say, what are what is the one of the best ways that blockchain can change society for the better? Good. I mean, I just say Bitcoin. I don't know. It's again crazy when you have. I had a great conversation with someone today about the challenges in the enterprise, and he said this phrase: "Blockchain by day, Bitcoin by night." Um, and I found a very relevant because one, a lot of the people who I knew uh, when I got involved with the company I co-founded were coming from like kind of a Bitcoin maximalist perspective and yet the company ends up in this like weird permission network enterprise sort of thing. Um, but I think the, the irony is a lot of these big companies, um, you know, their employees, they're, they're doing pilots like pilot after pilot after pilot on, you know, use cases that are probably not the best use of the technology. But yet, like, these, the employees, the team members are incredibly intelligent and, and on the side or at night, you know, basically Bitcoin maximalist. And I don't, I can't validate this other than just um, kind of word of mouth or side conversations. So, I mean... It's 2017. I'd say it's not even about a specific token because I think a lot of ideas that were proposed, and I saw you know all of these white papers and all of these concepts that will probably happen. 
in the next 10 years. Some of them were just like total bullshit. And if you read the, you know, got into like the, the technical feasibility or even the, the social engineering required to um, make something like that happen, it just wouldn't be possible. And yet then you just kind of sell the tokens, make a lot of money. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think the one tried and true, um, you know, the network that has been operating 10 years uh, Bitcoin. And so I, I do, you know, I'd say that's the flip side. Yeah. Operating under attack pretty much yeah. all of the 10 years. I'd say for the first year, maybe Bitcoin flew under the radar with no malicious actors. But I think once mm-hmm. it grew past about 25 people, somebody was trying to take advantage. So, right. I mean, that's a, I think the whole ecosystem maybe got a little bit too big for its bridges maybe put the cart before the horse like let's just stick with money and make that better and then we can build on top of that let's not try to like build the whole damn industrial revolution at once like let's just take it one step at a time but i have a lot of people that would disagree with that so um so i would agree again even seeing the evolution of of my own business and we we ran the company more like a lab in 2014 2015 and we were just you know banging out use cases and not in the sense of doing pilots like that was never the goal um we always were moving towards you know productizable use cases but even if you looked in, in the sneaker side of things like it was about trading it was an exchange um, and this was kind of before the concept of an NFT was was really coined or, or articulated. So, you know, it was even moving in that direction then, or even with the pharmaceutical network called Metal Ledger that is um, live now, it, it's moved into financial or revenue management um, applications to automate the chargeback, which is a very complicated transaction that occurs in the pharmaceutical industry and some other industries. So, I feel like it's funny because I was even in the experience of like being brought together with this team of, okay, you, you are the team to figure out and create non-financial use cases or like you know, use cases for this technology with physical objects. And of course, it still moves back into the direction of financial. So even that, you see kind of the market correcting itself where there was this over-enthusiasm of like, we can do everything and anything, which is, uh, I saw a photo, like a meme the other day on Twitter, probably, where I spent a lot of time, and it was like a woman wearing a styrofoam hat, um, like a hat made of styrofoam, and I guess the, the premise is, you know, people, when a new technology comes out, they use it for everything, they try to use it for everything until you find what it's really good for in that case, like packing or keeping things cool or warm or whatever. Um, and I think that, you know, we just, the ecosystem, it grew really quickly. Uh, once it reached that sort of like mainstream, um, and not fully mainstream, but at least like in kind of the mass media awareness. Um, and that's when the bullshit started for me. I mean, I feel like it was like there was a lot of money involved and people were raising hundreds of millions of dollars. Everyone got... Uh, you know, excited about that or sort of proposing new concepts. And I do, I do agree with you. Let's figure out, um, 
you know, the money, free stuff first and do that right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, what, it would be, like, scary to me if the thing that it was good for was speculation. Like, that's <laughs> that's the best yeah. use case that we have for it. I'd say, no, that's not. No, I do, I, yeah, I agree. That does scare me. I do have faith. I have faith that we're moving past that. But um, I share in those fears. Do you, do you have experience as a chief marketing officer? I, do, I was chief product officer for the company for the first three years. So it was like shipping products, building stuff. And then, again, what we realized I was spending so much time with customers trying to figure out requirements, like doing what any sort of early stage founder or product person would do. And I switched the role because I realized there was a lot more, um, again, the social engineering side of building these networks and ecosystems is not to be underestimated. So I was like literally out there in every industry bringing together competitors to see if they interoperate on a common network. And they're like, you're ridiculous. Um, and you know, that, that's what I spent a lot of time doing. Well, so if, if you're a person that ships out product and you believe that blockchain is still young, what timeline is that referring to? Because if something is too young, is something too young until things are implemented? If we accelerated the rate at which things got built, wouldn't things be better? Yeah. And I do, I mean, I think it, it's going in cycles or maybe there are again, distractions. And so when I say the bullshit, of 2017 or, or times like that when there is a, you know, excitement or more mainstream excitement about it is that I think the builders, even the builders who are like heads down um, might get distracted. And so it's kind of like a lateral move as opposed to keeping the heads down and moving forward or building the necessary, um, not, just, not just infrastructure, but it's like having that moment. And the analogy I, I use is like, in in the early 2000s, um, you know, you had MapQuest and then early Google Maps. And MapQuest was just like, we're building a better digitized map to get you from point A to point B. And Google Maps and Google looked at it differently and said, okay, with this project, we're seeing it. This is the protocol. This is basically, you're not building a better map. We're building a, a set of data points around location. And that's when we saw Uber and ride sharing and we saw Airbnb. We saw all of these, like the entire demand economy um, built on top of the, the uh, location data from Google Maps. So I think it's not a question of infrastructure. And we're waiting for like, what is that the way of looking at something in a new way um, or the open sourcing uh, of information and what would be like the thing that we unlock that creates an entirely new um, business model or economy that will be kind of the dominant paradigm for the next 10 years. Yeah, so but, but this is industry-wide though. I mean, you're, you're talking about specific in, uh, industries or examples. I'm exactly. talking about industry-wide. Right, me too. So I'm saying that's one example on one piece of data location. Um, I just don't think we've had like the the person, the industry, the per- like the group of people to look at something and say, okay, this is the this is the approach beyond speculation or, or you know uh, kind of prediction markets. I I haven't seen anything besides um, 
you know, yeah, I, it's it's challenging. I mean, as a product person, I do think it's moving quickly. It's significantly faster than, you know, internet, uh, like web 2.0 in the internet because we have the benefit now of having these communication tools and, and existing infrastructure and networks by which we can build this. Um, so it's not like I'm saying it's a 10-year thing out or a 20-year thing. It's happening right now. It's already here. Um, but in terms of the, the next phase that just catapults, um, you know, our industry into mainstream adoption, I, I don't know. I hope it isn't Libra. Uh, I, hope it, <laughs> I hope it's something else. Yeah, that's, that's what I always said. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're here. There's, it's not the, like, oh, the technology is not here. I mean, we have some, some challenges with uh, scalability, but all of these things are being worked on and it, at a very fast rate. Yeah, because, you know, just because the general consensus or reputation of, like, let's say Tron is a scam coin mm-hmm. or their white paper sucks right. does not mean that there are not legitimate engineers employed by Justin Sun working there. They're, they might be naive to the industry. They might be really skilled. They might have went to Harvard. Who knows? They just haven't attached themselves to the right project. So just because a white paper is thin or they don't have a good use case does not mean that there's good people working on every project. So, you know, I if you say something that. is a distraction, that's just that's a that's a tall glass of water for me to 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 drink. I don't mm-hmm. know. Fair. I mean, I guess I'm not referring to the engineers or the smart people working on the projects. I'd say, you know, if there are there is guidance coming from, you know, the overall goals of the project that, yeah, again, they haven't been equipped with the either right information or they're just, again, uh, taking a leap of faith like we all do and a risk on something that it's really hard to to prove that i mean yeah tron could be perceived as ridiculous and a scam coin now it could also be in five years like the thing that wins out because there is a use case that is you know someone sees something um that is specifically unique to that protocol or that network right so it's hard to know if it's a distraction or a roadblock that's fair good point Hmm. it's it's I think that um, just as a whole, the, the industry seems like it's trying to solve too many problems. I mean, I always go back to that. Money is money. It's it's like people got bored with the whole let's make new money thing uh, <laughs> because it's such as if it a, wasn't too big of a challenge. Exactly. It's such a monumentally large paradigm shift that it's almost hard to, you know, it's, it's almost infeasible to try and change it. It's, you ask the average person, you know, what is money? And they're like, I don't, I've never asked that to myself, nor do I want to. Mm-hmm. And this conversation is getting weird. It's like, you know, it's like something yeah. people just Yeah, don't. I mean, it's a can of worms. And as you start to unpack that and then start questioning assumptions and they're bigger assumptions, it's like the nature of reality, the nature of how governments are formed, the nature of how we you know, interact with each other on a global scale, it gets to be scary. And it's also, I mean, like challenging or ushering in that paradigm shift for a lot of people, um, you know, can be quite destabilizing. And perhaps they're, you know, as we do move in a different direction, what is that in-between period like? Or what happens when, you know, 
the U.S. dollar is not the the global reserve currency, and what does that look like? And is you know, it's scary for a lot of people. It's not. It's a hard conversation to have. Yep. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, prefer to sugarcoat or or shy away from the hard conversations, just even in daily life. But and I get it. You know, I don't. I don't want like spend every day of my life going into the weeds and being like, huh what is the nature of our reality? Why are we here right now? But like, I do it. That's why I'm doing what I do. It's like, wow, this, everything in the current system is so monumentally, you know, backwards or, or not serving, um, you know, the people involved. So, yeah, I think that's why it's easier to, uh, be blockchain by day and Bitcoin by night. I think that's why people do that. Like, yeah, I just work on blockchain. Cause it's not Bitcoin. So it's not as polarizing. <laughs> it's, yeah. And that's why the, on the business side, and that's why I forgive the enterprise businesses. I mean, they, they're massive and they are, if they're publicly traded, they, they, their hands are tied. They literally cannot make like a public sort of commitment to something that seems one could com- fundamentally change the nature of their business or, get rid of, you know, like eliminate it altogether, but it's going to happen either way. So I hope for their sake that they are thinking about it and working on it and just not announcing it in a way that, um, you know, isn't just these blockchain, blockchain pilots that are tracking things or that are, you know, automating one transaction because it's so much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. So you contribute to Forbes, right? Forbes is I do pretty mainstream. Do you have Forbes friends? Because Forbes has changed its tune on crypto over the last years, I guess six years. It used to be like the tool for the wicked, and then mm-hmm. now blockchain. Then blockchain was the greatest thing since sliced bread, which I'm always shocked at that euphemism because who didn't figure out how to slice bread a long time before <laughs> sliced bread? But anyways, um. How They're is it ripping shaped? it off in chunks yeah, and dipping it, it in their cauldrons. Or just biting it Aladdin style. Yeah. How do you, how has it changed, I guess, mainstream media's sentiment towards crypto changed in a way that you've noticed being a contributor? Great question. And I, I guess I can relate from both ends because I was running marketing on before I started contributing, I was, you know, on the other side of like dealing with the media and, and trying to pitch them or get them to understand why certain things were relevant. And honestly, I mean, I have a very mixed relationship with the mainstream media. I think that's another place where the, the no bullshit title came from. And I've, I've learned this in terms of my experience, um, contributing to various publications, some of them more than others, are, you know, caught up in the existing media landscape, right? Where they need the stories or I guess the the opinions of the day are largely driven by, you know, the, the sentiment or dominant paradigms of their readers. So it's not necessarily like a a reflection of reality. It's telling people what the reality, like it's reflecting their realities, not reflecting mm-hmm. like any sort of objective um, 
truth, not that there is an objective truth. But the example I'll give, I have this like side project that I called the crypto trip. And it was basically just, I was writing like blog posts about the stories behind merchants around the world who were accepting crypto and why. And, and like telling their stories and then wanting to make a directory of like where you could spend your crypto, which no one, you know, and their response to me, some of the mainstream media was like, no one cares about that right now. We don't want to tell stories of adoption because that's not happening. And I was like, well, it, it is every day. I'm talking to people every day um, mm. who do for whatever. And maybe it is just a small mom and pop shop, but that's like, that's a telling thing. Um, and I, I do feel very, you know, in this next wave or now that we've like, you know, back to the drawing board and people are building things to show that there really is interest and there really is adoption to this mainstream media. Um, you know, and maybe it's changing, but I think for most, not just, you know, Forbes, but most publications, um, you know, in that similar vein have just responded to the dominant interest uh, of the mass market. And they have to. Again, it's like the big sort of Fortune 500s or, or enterprises that are beholden to their um, shareholders into the dominant paradigms of, you know, our, our current society. That is so eerie to me. It's like a giant feedback loop of <laughs> people just wanting to hear what they want to hear. Yeah, like our echo. It, I mean, with the problem with social media it's a problem even i'm sure you experienced this we're just like we're in crypto twitter or i don't i i like try to get into like other groups and like expand my twitter but it's become very you know it's the same things and the same people and then i realize i step outside of it and i have conversations with like my friends who are not in this this space who do other things with their lives and i'm like what are you talking about? Or like, what's Libra? Or you know, whatever the the thing is of the day, we're in this echo chamber. And so, yeah, if you think of it on a you know a broader scale, um, and then like if you think of like the small little bit of media that makes it to the mainstream, like the average person next door who may or may not you know be aware of even Bitcoin or like why it's important to society or why some of these ideas will impact them, even whether they know it or not. And if there's like one article that makes it through per month, um, you know, I, I, it's sad or scary to me to think that those articles are largely telling the stories that people already want to hear or have, you know, big companies names in them or are talking about tracking lettuce on a blockchain. Mm. Um, and that's where I think there's, you know, there's an abundance of information in our space and it's good. It's not like it's bad. I, there's good information. There are good resources, plenty of great resources. Um, and, and I guess that's what I thought to do with my book is like reach the people with sort of a catchy title that also paid homage to like a culturally relevant story or moment and get their attention make them feel like they are equipped to, to like read more books and maybe read more articles and maybe listen to more podcasts. And that's like the main goal. It, it's not to go deeper than that. Um, so yeah. We like the last I, I one. Hope so. Listen to more podcasts. Yeah. More podcasts. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it's, it's, well then it's like, it's, 
how I guess our little echo chamber, the stories that you're talking about would would just shoot around like lightning bolts. But would that get outside of, you know, crypto Twitter or crypto enthusiasts? That's the, you know, it seems the only things when it comes to the layman and them talking about Bitcoin, it's either it's still alive, it's still around, Mm -hmm. or is that still for drugs? Is that what you do with that? Yeah. Do you do drugs with that? (laughs) It's like, what? I don't even understand that question. I don't know. so it's 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 hard to get our echoes to to not be echoes and just be a loud you know message that propagates out to everyone and i don't know man it's hard i don't know what the magic bullet's gonna be but i know i'm gonna be excited when i see it so me too and i'm more seeing it in more mainstream media not just the publications but i was watching this show called euphoria on HBO, and it's about great show, like high school students. Yeah, it's awesome. And there was I recorded a scene from it and put it on Twitter because they were like, "Do you know what Bitcoin is?" And of course, like she, the character is, you know, streaming, and it's someone who wants to pay her anonymously. And I was like, "Oh, it's kind." And then she goes to like their drug dealer friend to ask, you know, if she can exchange the Bitcoin. So I'm like, ah, like it won. It's so cool. Yeah, they're talking about Bitcoin in this TV show, and it's relevant because it's definitely like younger people. It's certainly more prevalent in their lives from what I've seen than you know other demographics. But um, yeah, it's still being associated with at least in mainstream media, like that side of things as well. Um, so yeah, it's either you're not thinking about it or it's associated with criminals. That's yeah. stupid. I mean, there's so much more criminal activity or you know, money laundering or like illicit trade, which is an area I dealt with a lot in supply chain and because we were like authenticating stuff. And it just, I mean, that exists already. It didn't need Bitcoin to do that. <laughs> so I, I don't really buy that argument at all. Speaking of uh, mainstream, Libra, thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm, thumbs down in terms of the way it's structured. Hmm. I would give it as I many think thumbs, thumbs up. Thumbs possible. up in terms of like if people talk about this stuff and actually made it, you know, push the conversation, um, particularly on like the regulatory side of like let's talk about it and now we have a reason to talk about it and it's like, lighting a fire under everyone's asses, great. But in terms of if this thing actually happened, that that scares me. It's, I hope it doesn't because it's going to yeah. be hard to defeat. I think it's going to be like... Yeah. The, it's going to be... Because one thing Facebook is good for is user-friendliness. So if they take that and couple that with a private blockchain which they're touting as public it's basically like the ripple it's a new ripple yeah uh it's gonna be tough to beat because even ripple has an army of anywhere you go on the internet and you're talking about crypto there's a ripple person there i don't even mm-hmm. get it i don't i do not get it <laughs> but that's a testament testimony to you cello your argument that the best isn't gonna win out it's just gonna be just random uh, yeah. Just well, what, how do you classify or define the best? 
like best technologically, the best for the betterment of society, the best in terms that, of it's the most decentralized or that's aligned my definition. with. The, okay. The best for society. That that's my definition. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Everyone has their own definition. I would agree. I like you. <laughs> I so. I would. I think that's where we should probably start from in any sort of conversation. But yet, for some reason, as human beings, we haven't managed to make decisions that way yeah. in the past. So I want to be, I'm like incredibly optimistic because this is the first time that I've seen in recent history and certainly my life that there is a viable alternative solution. And it's actually at a point where like, wow, this thing, this is, we're still trucking along. Like this might actually happen. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also now like the, the, there's a lot at stake. And to see these bigger players come in with either nefarious intentions or, or neutral intentions, but, you know, we'll have kind of control over a network is something that terrifies me. Mm-hmm. And I would say in my capacity of either leading a business or, or since just educating people and consulting people and, you know, finding myself an interesting boardroom to hear the crazy again, bullshit that people are thinking of doing or pitching as if it's like, wow, look at, you know, it's just, it's scary. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty realistic in terms of, uh, how this might actually play out, but I'm also optimistic. Like I'm, I'm fighting the good fight. So I'm glad that there are others out there. Yep. So are we definitely, I think, what I I'd love to see someone write a book on or a thesis on the idea of the when the S curve tops out on the convenience economy, mm-hmm. because I do think that people are starting to like wisen up to the fact that convenient the price that we pay for convenience and the opportunity cost that we put forth is not paying off anymore. Uh huh. And what I mean by that is like you pay we pay crazy amounts of money for convenience. I mean, look how valuable like Netflix is. Hell, globally, look how valuable 7-Eleven is. It's literally a convenience mm-hmm. store. So, it's money banks are now just paying costs to make, you know, transactions, make it convenient for us with, you know, direct deposit, the apps that allow us to do all kinds of nifty stuff with ATMs where we don't even have to go to the ATM. We just tell the ATM when we're stopping by for money. Like mm-hmm. it's it's convenience is what like these businesses are selling. And as long as Bitcoin and blockchain is inconvenient, it's going to be a tough sell on the general populace. You know, right. it just is. So, um, I will let you have the floor. Well, yeah, I think we'll, we'll need people to start valuing privacy and autonomy. And that's where, so when you say you'd want someone to research that I've considered can, like doing doctoral research on, I guess I'd call it cryptographic responses to surveillance capitalism, because this is just exceeds my dark soul. But I think like, we need to hit that point where people realize that they've been complacent in, uh, or complicit, complacent and complicit in, you know, fueling this fire and readily giving up their data and their autonomy and their privacy. And these were a lot of concepts that were discussed quite openly in the, the advent of the internet and 
you know what? Like those people, we, we lost. We did it wrong. Um, yeah, big time. So here we go. Here we go again. And, you know, we have an opportunity to do it differently. And I do, I mean, I think that's a really good point in terms of at some point, people will need to start valuing other things over convenience. And when that happens, that's when, you know, there is the window um, that we'd, we'd have. <laughs> like, you know, have a shot at this. But um, right now, I haven't seen, at least in terms of the dominant paradigm, it hasn't gotten there yet. Yep. That could be it. I mean, the internet makes Like, people don't care enough about, like, I'm going to, you know, make th- this wallet and put it in cold storage and, like, how do I access this? And what? It's just, like, too much. Um, yep. And they're, they're stuck uh, drinking the Kool-Aid of, you know, the convenience Kool-Aid, if you will. Mm-hmm. I I definitely agree. So, so Chella, what do you say? Like do we... pizza, and they read the book. <laughs> pizza is very convenient, so I know that's why you chose the title for it. We're gonna let you plug it, but we do have one trademark question that we have to ask. Okay, Chella, do we go with Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum? Uh, which one? Um, you know what? I I think because she's a a huge advocate of blockchain, we'll, we should give her that one. All right, yeah. in ten words or less. Can you define blockchain? I, well, I don't define it literally. I say it represents, it's a technical manifestation of a larger sociocultural paradigm shift from thinking of the way that we interact with people from centralized to decentralized. Um, or it's just, you know, a badass globally connected Excel spreadsheet that we glorify. So that second definition is under 10. The yeah. first one was like 38. So. Yeah, okay, we can do the, the second one. A badass Excel spreadsheet that everyone looks at that we glorify? Was that it? I think I got it wrong. Yeah. I got it wrong. Um, Excel runs the world. I wish that weren't true, but it does. Um, uh-huh. So um, go ahead. Plug your book one last time. Let the people know how to find you. And find your book. Oh, okay. Well, as we, we spoke so deeply about crypto Twitter, I spent a lot of time there. So you can find me at Famrad Official um, and other various social media places or my website. And you can buy my book, Bitcoin Pizza, The No Bullshit Guide to Blockchain on Amazon and from my website if you want to uh, buy it using crypto and yeah, various other booksellers awesome thank you very much sam rod for swinging by uh we yeah. really appreciate the time and we'll see you on the twitters yeah that was fun all right see you around and that was the interview with sam radokia so we hope you enjoyed it um partial apology for the quality of the sound she called in, and that's just the nature of the podcast biz. You could have really nice microphones, and your guests will be talking to you through a styrofoam cup and string, and that's just the way. That's I'm in a sandstorm. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my ear is no, right man. next to the subway. No, no, man. It's not going to work. Uh, yeah. Do you remember when Lubin called us while he was hang gliding? And oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> 
Real what loop, are you doing? Terrible microphone quality every single time. I'm in the middle of this hang gliding session. Can hey, you hey can, you, can you please stop rubbing the microphone? That'd be great. He was sweating, rubbing his head. But <laughs> but Lucian got his first taste of uh, celebrity retweetedness attention. He was excited because Lubin caught wind of his episode. Yeah, so that's a good, good episode on Grid Plus. Yeah, yeah. man, we, we put out some baller-ass content. I think it's um, referred to as fire. Fire. But that is um, our fourth episode on Grid Plus, so... Grid Plus, start sponsoring. We yeah. know how it works now. We know the game, Grid Plus. You better throw us some ducats. Um, At least us one of those uh, Lattice Wands. Y- yeah. Works for me. I'll take a Lattice one. Is that operable? Get just things. Of... I want to get things and money. Well, are you using your Finny? I don't even no, know where it is. No, Finny Sorry, uh, I'm, not so, I'm looking at it, and it's in its original box. Uh, I'm using it, and the the uh, the mic stopped working. So really? the only way I can make a phone call is if I put it on speaker. <laughs> wow, not a good luck, Finny phone. phone. If I paid a thousand dollars for that. I'd be irate. Yeah, it's a mighty I expensive phone. I don't know. I don't know who you call about that either. Because well, yeah, because if if I take it to AT and T, they'd be like, "Where did you get this weird alien phone? We can't help you." <laughs> what the hell is a Finny? Yeah, yeah. Let's see, Finny. This guy's got a got an alien device in here. Take him down. Um, there was something I did want to talk about. It came up right at the end of the the conversation uh, with Sam, and uh, we were talking about shortly before the show started, and that is when does the convenience factor of the internet like hit the top of the S curve, where people start caring about things like privacy and caring about things like security. And because right now people value their convenience more than they value those two things. And only that's when why it affects them the way they are. People only care about giving money to cancer charity funds when they get cancer or someone close to them does. Yeah. It's just human nature. Nobody's going to care about privacy until something gets compromised. Yeah. Something that, well, things are being compromised all the time. Like what would you hear about today? What everyone heard about getting their money from Equifax. That's what they heard about. Yep. Because everybody yeah. was compromised. It's everyone was compromised, compromised by those. this data breach. Well, that's not true. A lot of people that went to that website had to find out if they were affected or not. Because it was such a mass uh, hit. Individuals didn't feel the effects of it. You're right. But like, it's so far removed. But eventually, like these things aren't going to be as removed. Like People are going to start feeling the, like, the pain of these things. And then, yeah, but I don't know. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to say. People don't, people don't trust Facebook. The overall sentiment of Facebook is they don't trust it. And I think that this, I guess as D puts it, turning around the S-curve is starting to happen. I mean, I guess status is making that bet. We're trying to position ourselves as a secure and private messenger so that when people are looking for that because they're not happy with their current options, they come to us. Yeah. yeah, man, it's flat out creepy that in every conversation I have on Facebook Messenger, I end up seeing an advertisement for something tangential to the conversation in my Facebook feed. Like the next day, it's getting on my nerves. It's getting like very creepy. It's gross. But you won't, you're not going to quit though because of it. Exactly. I'm, I'm, because I'm the better. convenience factor is more powerful than. Yeah. I think that's well, what, what you're trying to get at. Is like, when, when, is the, when does the care for privacy and security or not being the product 
trump the convenience. Uh, do we have to measure everything in convenience? I mean, Facebook is not convenient. It's just a time waster. Shit. No, what is convenient about convenient. Facebook? Talking to people that you don't care about? I download, I could push... <laughs> Say talking to people you don't care about. Whatever. Every There's single app I download has a Facebook login button, and I'm like, that yeah, is yeah. 3.5 seconds faster than me putting in my email address and making a new password. So the answer is yes, I will log in with Facebook. That's a convenience factor. Um, it used to be a convenience factor for like. That's not why you signed up for Facebook, and that's not the reason why you're not going to deactivate though. Well, I'm, I'm wondering them chicks faster. trying to meet them chicks. Yeah. I'm That's wondering not, the uh, amount of people that deactivate Facebook, they're doing it because of privacy reasons, or they just hate it. They're doing it because they're looking at cool baby faces do. all the time? Yeah. They're Ray redacted, or they're doing it because it's cool to do. I, I don't use oh, it anymore. I actually, yeah. I, I still have my Facebook, but only to talk to uh, certain people that won't get rid of Facebook. I got rid of mine because I, I found no value in it. So I don't use it. Yeah, I don't use it I don't either. get so on it. And I'm too old to be like, hey, here's a here's my date with my wife. We went to the botanical gardens. Here's five photos from it. Like, there's no value in that. So I saw those photos. Uh, you didn't oh, see it from me though. Your wife. Yeah, I, you didn't see it from me. <laughs> so uh, I didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't do it. So I don't know. It's curious. I'd like to get the data the data on that. Like, how many people are getting off of Facebook? Well, that's the thing. Is like, do we, are we just gonna are we just gonna say that? blockchain can't ever be as convenient as centralized services that's what i was getting at is like right now it's it's got a such a it's got a hill to climb man that is very sharp it's it's damn near zero slope sharp well it's not like not zero slope no services that hoard your data and take advantage of it to then provide convenient services to you um, are going to no stop doing that and, and also like trying to innovate on that model. I meant to say no slope, not zero slope, no slope. You know um, what I mean? Like Netflix is going to keep using user data to provide better recommendations on things you should watch so that they can make more money and you can spend more time watching Netflix. Do they make their money on us watching stuff or new subscriptions? I literally think they make their money on new subscriptions. I literally have no idea. Well, it, it's like um, they're never going to take like The Office or like Seinfeld off because more people watch that than any other show. So they, you know, they probably well, make money off acquisitions. They make a lot of money. How are they making money on? Let's think about like, this. All the new shows, all the new movies that they put that are Netflix specific. How do you make money on that? Money on subscriptions. It's pretty clear cut. They don't do advertisements. They do subscriptions. The like Directv. They got to be doing something with that data. It's cost effective for them to do homegrown content. They've yes. got to be selling that data, they, like watcher data, like user data on what's what people are watching and why. There's a show called The Great, or a movie called The Great Hack. I figured you would have watched by now. Now, what Corey. they do do, Corey, you're hack. absolutely right. Because when a new movie is coming out in the theater, I will sneakily see old like prequels to it show up on Netflix like out of the blue. So I do think like they do that so that they could. You know, like for instance, uh, what I think the Terminator has got a new movie coming out next year. So out of the blue, I saw the original Terminator just pop up on Netflix for me, and I'm like, "What? That shit wasn't there a week ago." 
just I always was interested in like the value prop that it provides. Like if Will Smith came out with a Netflix original film, Bright, I don't have to pay a cent to watch it. But now he has a movie coming out in theaters that I have to pay 10, 15 bucks to watch. Am, am I less inclined now to go spend an entire month of Netflix fees to watch a one time movie when at one time he was making films for that platform? I, I don't know if that's a smart business model. I know that's not Bitcoin related. Netflix. This got weird. How, how we get here? <laughs> <laughs> or we got here because, like, I mean, decentralized service are convenient. Or sorry, centralized services are convenient. They're not going to stop make it trying to make them convenient. They're going to not going to stop using your data to do machine learning to try to provide recommendation engines to keep you there. Like all these things aren't going to stop happening. And so the question originally was. Can decentralized services ever meet the convenience factor that centralized services offer? If not, can they succeed? Are people going to care enough to leave them to come over to something that where they can take control over their, their privacy, security, data, whatever it is? Hmm. That's a big question. It's a mighty big question, man. I, I think some deep shit when I'm on the bidet. So that's their bidet thoughts. How much time you spend in squirting your butt with water? Uh, I mean, if we're going to get into my movement schedule. Here, you logging? Are you logging this? No, <laughs> I'm a regular man. Are you I logging eat, your logs? I eat fiber. Okay, so I'm a regular man. Um, and bidets are really cheap nowadays. So anyone you can attach to any toilet. They're nice. Yeah. Um, All right, so... uh. Andrew Yang, he's in the news. Super PAC. You start a super PAC that will accept lightning-powered Bitcoin donations Good luck for the first Yang. 20... What, what is the... I'm looking at the news here. First 21 days. This is not just the headers. I'm just reading a header. Uh, according to Seth Cohen, whoever the hell that is. Anyway, after the 21 days, um, fiat donations as well as Bitcoin will be accepted. Here's the question. Is anyone actually going to send him lightning network Bitcoin? The answer to that is no. Why? I'm kidding. It's definitely not no. There's going to be someone out there that does it, but it's just not going to be a lot of people. You know how funny it would be if like, you just made a bunch of money in Bitcoin or what it's at 10000 for some reason or another? It skyrockets to like... 30,000 and he has like the most money in a super pack. That would be funny. That would be that'd be pretty ironic. I think it and still wouldn't make people he wins and we all get a thousand dollars a month for nothing. The It'd reason I think <laughs> shows that'd be great. The reason I had another bidet thought is that the reason another reason why Bitcoin is going to be so so slow to take off, if not endorsed by some sort of major central entities. <clears throat> governments <clears throat> is that when you when you're talking about value in like you know usurping someone else's value there's this like competition thing that's natural and people will defend their value and there's people right now that are going to blindly defend their fiat value cuz if bitcoin stands a chance to truly threaten it and that's that's something that just makes it hard <laughs> to take off People don't know how money works. 
Yeah, but it's the people that do know how money works that have a lot of power. Well, yeah, look at look at like Peter Schiff defending gold and saying Bitcoin isn't very good. Because he fucking loves gold. gold. Got a lot of gold. Yeah, he needs that to be true, and he has a following, and he wants them to believe that it's true. Otherwise, like the thing that he holds loses value, and he loses money. So, like anytime someone has a large stake in something, they're going to defend it. And I think what's interesting about that behavior, I think at some point, if you have a certain percentage of stake in something relative to how much you're worth, the rationality of that defense goes away. Mm-hmm. So if your stake, right? the higher your stake, the more irrational you are to defend. Or maybe the more irrational, like the, your, your potential to be irrational grows. Because it's more devastating to lose that percentage of yourself. Mm-hmm. Or like, or, or you had, you, you got to that point because, because you were irrational, right? Like there's this Carl Sagan quote that I, that I always remember. And that, and that, that it, previously it had to do with religion and that's why I remembered it, but it, it, it pertains to anything. And that is, um, you can't convince a believer of anything because of their deep seated need to believe. And that's what that is, right? Like you, people mm-hmm. get into these things cause they believe in something and to convince them otherwise is basically impossible because they need to believe in something. And this is what they've grasped on to do. Look at Roger Ver. Yeah. I think we talked about this recently. Yeah. But this is the only good good case for this. This is the only industry though where you can have belief and doubt in the same sentence. No. What do you mean? Well, like you know, you did a you did a uh, you've done a podcast for four and a half years. You've you've pivoted your career to cryptocurrency, but you can't sit there in that chair and tell me a hundred percent that this definitively will work. That this is the future. This is the next revolution. Oh, I can. Blockchain is for sure. It's it's it, in my opinion, it's the foundation for a social revolution. Anything that's like, anything that's not mass adopted it? yet isn't definitive. It's okay mm, if, if the internet has that. worked the way it has, and social like it's just like uh, barring you know an asteroid that knocks out the internet or or, or or digital goods or electronics and stuff, like this is this is value on the internet done appropriately. Yeah. There's no reason to believe that that's not going to take off based on how much humans value value. <laughs> A lot of people don't use flashlights, but it's pretty definitive how those motherfuckers work. I'll tell you that much. That is a very weird transition. It was. I was just trying to think of some example. <laughs> that's what I got. I'm sorry. It's just, in my opinion, this this is a, it's a no-brainer. This technology will take off in some way, shape, or form that will revolutionize the way humans transact value digitally or everywhere. That's how they think so about value. Why so but scared? I'm not what I'm not what I'm not confident on, or what I'm not willing to like say is what it's called and how it works. Why? Because it's too early. The technology is too naive. It's too unproven. There's a lot of things that need to be done for it to be working on a global scale where it's actually impacting people, regular people on their everyday lives without them understanding it. Because like right now, the, the, the technology of the internet impacts everyone's lives despite them giving a shit, understanding it or anything. They're using it every single day of their lives and they're changing the way they behave. Because of porn and convenience. Facebook. And Facebook. Right? 
but which is convenience space because like right now convenient. if you want to use this stuff you have to understand it so like just think about that right we're not there yet we can't be there yet it has and, to get to a point where like people are just using it it's impacted their lives because of companies who have built something that make it easy to impact their lives yeah and i'm going to keep arguing that facebook is for convenience shallow because we only use facebook for the one thing and that was social media we got old enough to a point where it's like, okay, well, I can't care about all these damn people. I got wives, I got kids, I got jobs. Like, I'm not talking to all these damn people. But Facebook has since Twitter. grown. To Facebook is a monster. You can run a business on Facebook with like Facebook pages, Facebook ads. There's Facebook. Um, now there's a Slack version of Facebook that's free and better than Slack. So what? it's like, no, yeah, yes, it's called What's like it called? Facebook. I'm looking it up right Facebook, now. Facebook. Uh, Facebook, oh God, I just looked at it the other day. But those, but those businesses can't Facebook thrive groups, on Facebook no. unless there's a million people talking about how good the relationships are going or they just got a new dog or what they had for it's breakfast. It's called Workplace. workplace. Oh, yeah, Workplace. Yeah, yeah Workplace, that, man, they announced that like last year. Ain't nobody using that. But the thing is, is like these businesses can't thrive off ads and using a platform unless there's millions of you guys logging in. And it, it just, I don't know. It, it's going to die because young kids aren't signing up for Facebook and old people are phasing out. So I give it five more years. Yeah. But social media, the thing that I'd say Facebook championed has become a part of how we operate as a society, as humans. That's, it's a thing that we do. We, and the thing we expect to happen when using the internet. Now, most people mm. see this as the internet for that matter. They don't know the rest of the stuff that happens on the internet. Facebook is the internet. Just like just like the previous generation thought AOL was the internet. That's insanity. <laughs> it is pretty insane. But I mean, it doesn't take away from the harsh reality of it. I mean, there's, this is the way it is. What demographic are you talking about? I don't know, man. Because if you're a teenager and you think Facebook is the internet, you need to go play on some train tracks. Or you're not from, or you're not from the states. Uh, I'd say people nowadays understand that like their phone does things. Their phone can connect them to whoever they want in a multitude of ways. Yeah. They don't quite get it, but they expect it to behave that way. They understand that they can connect to whoever they want, however they want. That wasn't a thing in them in the past. Web 2.0 and Facebook pretty much made it that way. Yeah. The Bitcoin podcast does not support children playing on railroads. Uh, we just want to throw That's that an official place. stance of the Bitcoin podcast network. It's an official stance of the Bitcoin But you, you can go on Facebook Live while you're doing it. <laughs> oh, my God. Sure, sure the can. The Bitcoin podcast network. And people will watch it. People will watch it. You might go viral before you die. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up. All right. Any, do you guys remember Faces of Death? Do you remember those? Dude, tapes? let's not even go there. Oh my god, I, I probably should have never watched those, those. VHSs. Were god. were terrible things that ruined yeah. my life. I think that was the start of the end. Hey, is Rotten.com still a URL? I wouldn't dare type it in, but is that still around? Corey, no. check it out. <laughs> <laughs> is that website still up? Uh, it's something is loading. Something is not loading. Maybe right. the. Maybe it got taken down. I think it got taken down. Rightfully so. Um, I'm so happy this isn't a thing. <laughs> what are yeah. the e-bombs now? Oh, I remember. A new grounds and e-bombs. Man, live, what a time. E-bomb week. 
Live Leak is the new permanent Faces of Death. Mom's World is still there. Um, All right, let's wrap it up. What do we do? Today's episode is brought to you by uh, brought to you by Johnsonville Brats. <laughs> Go to the store, get your brats. You can get them in spicy, or you can get them in regular, or you can get them in mild. Uh, I don't know the difference between regular and mild, but uh, get your brats. Um, so you want to hang out with us, you can go to the bitcoinpodcast.com and you could click the Slack button and follow the instructions there. And if you can't follow those instructions, you don't deserve to be in the Slack. And that's the way that works. We'd rather you not be in there. Because, find some train tracks. Yeah, we'd rather you find some train tracks. Uh, active or non-active, that's up to you. Um, let's see. Uh, if you go to... What else has we got brewed? Oh, store.thebitcoinpodcast.com. We have a store where you can get the best t-shirts on the planet. Made of the finest quality. <laughs> finest quality cotton with prints and you can get beanbag chairs and you can get fanny packs and you can get grocery totes and you can get I think condoms I'm not there's lots of stuff that you can get on the Bitcoin podcast store um, we hope that you get it from us um, and if you tell seven of your friends we'll give you a discount code but you gotta prove that you told seven of your friends and they have to buy stuff too um, what else do we do? Uh, we got the network running, all piped out and piped down, piping down content every week. Um, uh, pretty sure I did not use that slang correctly, but Cello, did I use that slang correctly? I do not think I did. I don't know, pipe it up or pipe it out. Yeah, you're not using it right either. You're off. <laughs> But I know one thing I do use right, and that's dead ass. Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com and look at all of our shows and and all all the network provides. Corey, you had a hashing it out come out. Was it good? Sure did. We talked about uh, Go Ethereum recent release and what it means to like build a a client for running the Ethereum network. Okay. And with your ghost, with your guests. Chris Johnson and Rob Jones. I don't get that. Is that a reference? I don't get that reference. Yeah, it means everyone you interview has complicated ass names. Oh, they're definitely complicated names. <laughs> I'm doing the artwork for it. It's like I can't Peter Peter's name probably yeah. like Slazagi or something. Oh, you're talking about Svizgaski. Yeah. So many. Carolapes. That's what I call him. Call him Carolapes. That's his handle. And then uh, and then Martin Swindy, which is a security. Security engineer for the Go Ethereum and Ethereum Foundation. Did you say Carol Lips? Carol Labs. K A R A L A B E. I want to start a gamer tag that's Carol Lips. I don't know why. For some reason, it's just funny to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it stupid? Carol Lips. Yeah, that's uh, stupid. Anyways, that's it, guys. We got nothing more. Buy stuff from the store. Keep listening to the show. Shout out to uh, Zoe Saldana, Zossie Beats, Carlo Lewis. Uh, play the outro.
miss the days when you would we would cut a, a snippet of the show that was funny and put it in the front. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I could start We're, doing that. Yeah, keep doing that. That was always fun. Just like start an episode with some dumb shit we say. I could dig it. Also, we should play uh, our intro backwards and slow it down like the devil. <laughs> Interesting that you would. It's a very that. Tra- <laughs> it's a very specific. <laughs> it's that coming. I just I, I was curious to hear what an upbeat Lamont Landers band would sound backwards and slow down. First, I'd have to figure out how to make that happen because <laughs> I don't know. I'm how sure to you can figure that, that out. I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could figure it out. Um. That's, that's a very interesting suggestion, Jello. We'll see if I can make it happen for you. Should we do that for a Halloween episode? <laughs> no, that'd be pretty good. Belly button gummies. Here we go. Here we go. Here we Have you thought about this a lot? Because it sounds like no. a jam. <laughs> He's been doing it himself. It just came to me. But it's a jam, though. Every time I listen to our episodes, it's a jam. I like how our Slack has turned into a, a uh, product line for fucking broke. Yeah. He's literally using our Slack as like a, a market test. It's a soundboard. Is he not yeah. twitching anymore? Is he, is he even, did he abandon that for gummies? He's pretty much abandoned all things for gummies and med school. He starts med school here next month. I want some of those gummies. I want some. I told him I want some. He's having a hard problem with pricing. I've been trying to help him find the right price, but I told him, "Is like, look, you either supplement. You pay. You ask however much you want." <laughs> that's fucking... Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like you need to. He's trying to find the sweet price that's pretty low, and I was like, "Man, your margins are too low there. You need to bump it up a little bit." And he's like, well, "How much do people want to pay?" Like, I don't know, man. You fucking what does go it to do? Gen Z, figure I'll, it out. I'll, I'll, I'll... Give me a few. I'll be a sample case. I'll say I'll pay. I'll, I'll pay that much for it, but never pay that much for it because you're my friend. Um, he's got so many batches, so he's trying to. He's making it happen. I know that much. All right, he's one of those weird people that's like, I want to do something, and then he just does it. So, excuse me. In ten. Oh, speaking of which, we got to record just the headers here in a little bit.